This is The Shift Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt coming up on The Shift Daily Podcast. We're going social media, deep on social media. In fact, TikTok and censorship. Are there algorithms doing it? Are there algorithms reflecting us in all of that? Uh, here in the podcast, we have Danae Mercer. She's from Dubai. She's a social media influencer, more than 2 million followers. And she does some experiments to figure out what gets canceled, what does not for being too naked. Plus, we talk about the tech side of it with Jesse Miller from Mediated Reality. On Are You Okay? on the podcast, we do have super long fingernails. Is that safe enough? You're going to find out coming up on the podcast. Plus, Steve Stebbing joins us with conversation around Nomadland, Voyagers, and the Netflix series, Them. It is time, as we do every single Thursday, almost Friday, for us to check in and see what's going to allow us some time to grow roots this weekend. Hit it, Brennan. What the hell should we watch this weekend? Steve Stebbing is with us, stevestebbing.ca. Now, um, I don't think we have it in our audio list, Steve, so I'll bring it up. Is I will sometimes try to find the most boring, dreadful show on Netflix so I can have a nap. And I find that that is incredibly helpful for me, and I did. I turned on the robbery. What I don't even know what that documentary is called. Uh, do you know? Actually, uh, it's uh, it's on my list. Actually, this week, uh, it is called. Um, ooh, what am I missing here? Uh, this is a robbery, the world's this... biggest art heist, and uh, yeah. yeah, like this weird art heist in the the nineties in Boston. Boston, just like yeah. the weirdest story uh, about like a bunch of like very 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 high end paintings, like Rembrandts and stuff like that, that just vanished, gone. Yeah. Gone the into the ether. So, yeah. And so I thought it was going to be really boring and tried to turn <laughs> it on and had a nap, but it turns out it's really, really good. We don't have audio for mm -hmm. it here today, but um, it is really good. So since we're on it, why don't you tell us a little bit about it and, and what you know about it from your, from your notes there? Yeah. Well, basically it, it is a super intricate plot uh, of this uh, robbery that happened at the Stuart Gardner Museum in Boston. And uh, basically the guards uh, of the, uh, of the museum uh, believe that they were already being robbed, that there was already in progress. So the, the cops arrived, the quote unquote cops arrived, which was actually part of the whole setup and uh, helped, uh, basically nab one of the biggest uh art uh art robberies in history mm -hmm. uh, it's worth, worth checking out by the billion. way billion yeah a billion they figured it was originally the original number and they had no idea how to measure it at the mm -hmm. time they said 200 million out of the gate turns out it was more than that um it's insane yeah it's neat. Anyway, by the way, if you're trying to have an app, that is not a good show to watch. <laughs> and then the other one is there's a Spycraft show, too, documentary on there, which I've mm -hmm. tried to use as an app. And then every now and then it gets really good. And then when I wake up from my nap, I get super curious and I have to skip it all backwards anyway. So it's not working out for me. I'm going to take your advice and stick to the good shows. Yeah, there you go. Or maybe find like a documentary on like the art of charcuterie or something. Yeah. Oh, man, I, I was in Medicine Hat once. And we, uh, it was four hockey dads. Um, and the kids, when they travel, they go on the bus and we don't even see the kids. We see them after the game for two minutes. They're gone. Right. And so all the dads are hanging out and we go to this hotel bar and we order charcuterie. And, um, my, my buddy, um, Corey, he calls it, uh, carcuterie because he 
can't get it right. And they brought like, you know, when you go to the grocery store and it's like chopped up pepperoni and, and cheddar cheese, really, that you get in the thing. That's what they brought. Charges $45 for it. It was basically that <laughs> on a plate. Anyway, it's wow. sidebar. Let's get wow. into what the hell should we watch this weekend in the audio for Nomadland. I think Fern's part of an American tradition. Oh, he's going to come right through the glass. My dad used to say, what's remembered lives. I maybe spent too much of my life just remembering. One of the things I love most about this life is that there's no final goodbye. I've met hundreds of people out here and they don't ever say a final goodbye. Let's just say, I'll, I'll see you down the road. Tell us about Nomadland. Yeah, this is an incredible film. Uh, I mean, two Golden Globes uh, for Best Director, Chloe Zhao, and Best Picture. Uh, six Academy Award nominations right now. Uh, a completely bobbled release in Canada because it's been out in the States since uh, mid-February, I believe. Uh, and now we get this movie. It's Frances McDormand in the lead. She plays a woman that uh, she is basically has to pack everything she has into her van after her basically her entire Nevada town goes broke. And uh, she is forced on a uh, nomadic life uh, throughout America, which is kind of uh, an own, a society within America as well. The disenfranchised people that can't afford homes, can't afford to put roots in any place and just kind of leave this wandering existence. Uh, some real people that real really deal with this also feature in the movie, kind of doing the real life acting thing. Uh, an incredible must-see film that is just massively uh, important in the uh, climate, in the living climate that we're, we currently operate. I like it. SteveStepping.ca for the whole list and all the information. This is Voyagers. I need to protect them. There's a toxin in the water. It's coming from us. We're eating something toxic. It's the blue. It's medication. To decrease pleasure. I'm not drinking it. What does it feel like to feel something? Paranoia and scary. Yeah, and see that tra the trailer really doesn't sell it uh, as with what it is because um, what it is is a sci-fi. It's a space set sci-fi movie where uh, the Earth is is burning up, so a life ship is sent to find another uh, planet uh, to live on, and it sends uh, this this crew on an eighty-six year journey. So they're basically grown as babies put onto this ship and they're supposed to procreate because their grandchildren are going to pilot the ship for the last distance and everything. And what it descends quickly into is like this sci-fi meditation on Lord of the Flies. And I thought, okay, cool. It's going to take elements of it and stuff that would be pretty cool. But it basically really just kind of just wants to do a sci-fi version of that. And I feel like we all know that story. Like a lot of us that grew up that, that uh, you know, in English class and everything, we did Lord of the Flies. We kind of know this story. So it's like, I don't really need a sci-fi skew on it, no, no matter how gorgeous it looks. Hmm. Cool stuff. All right. In Blu-ray, let's jump ahead to Barb and Star. Go to Vista Del Mar. Phone 
and this is star. Room number again, please, sir. Six eleven. Six eleven? Oh my Barb. Oh my gosh, he's six eleven. Six eleven? We're in one twenty-four. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I feel like we've been lacking on really good comedies lately. So yeah. this is encouraging. Yeah. And this one's vapid. It's, it marches to the beat of its own xylophone. Like it is just totally going, uh, for whatever it wants to do. I feel like, uh, the lead stars and, and writers of the film, uh, Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumolo, I think they were supposed to go off and do like a, they're, they're supposed to do a writing retreat and do like a Bridesmaids 2. Like, let's get a follow, a good big tentpole movie. And I think they came up with these characters who, for full disclosure, their full names are Barbara and Starbra. So no, uh, really? it's just, yes. And it's just, it's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, I loved every second of it. I understand it's not for everybody, but it just really felt good to turn uh, the, the comedy, the, the, the smarts brain down and the comedy up, you know, and it just kind of enjoy it. Well, I think we could use a little bit of absurd. Yes, absolutely. And this is, this is it. And, and maybe a little bit more foam on the top. <laughs> a little extra foam. Can I have some absurd with extra foam? Uh, thank you very much. I love it. SteveStebbing.ca. What the hell should we watch this weekend? It wouldn't be this segment if there wasn't one clip that freaked me out. This is The Reckoning. What's that happened to me? I'll try to break you. Like they did to the rest of us. Fear not, my child. Salvation is at hand. Just the devil inside. Huh? All right, tell us about the reckoning and all your. Oh man, I don't know why you like this stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a witchcraft movie uh, set during the Great Plague, uh, and uh, follows a woman that her husband has just died uh, during the plague. And then uh, she gets outed uh, or accused of uh, being a witch and uh, gets uh, basically uh, kidnapped and uh, thrown into the the dungeon of uh, Judge Moorcroft, who basically starts to torture her, trying to get the truth out of her. But it may end up uh, make her turning to the dark side and the thing that she's being accused of in the first place. Uh, I mean, it, it's kind of vapid horror uh but it, it's got some cool effects to it uh but this is the guy that reboot the guy that direct, directed it rebooted hellboy and he does such a terrible job of it so i was expecting uh almost a full redemption and it's it's not quite there all right steve's blu-ray geek out the world of wong car why All right, take us away. Uh, take us back to this, and it's, it's, what the heck yeah. is that? 
Yeah, it's a it's a Criterion Collection box set of Wong Kar Wai's uh, seven of his his big films from his career. Uh, I mean, this this is a guy that's a massively influential uh, Hong Kong director uh, who has just uh, made some really incredible films. Uh, In the Mood for Love, Happy Together, uh, As Tears Go By, uh, many great things. Uh, and I mean, he sat on the uh, judges board for cons for a few years. I mean, he is kind of like the top echelon when it comes to international film. Uh, and these are all complete restorations uh, of his greatest works in just like a beautiful edition as, as uh, I know criterion collectors out there know how gorgeous these editions are. Uh, and I am absolutely loving mine that criterion sent to me. Okay. Um, let's go to TV, Amazon Prime, which I have discovered, which I text you by the weekend, on the weekend, this weekend, that Amazon <laughs> has purchased, like, they have bought the, the B, C, D, E level shows, all of them, because they got them on a bargain price, and they've put them on there, and I watched two of them this weekend, it was dreadful. <laughs> this one, this is different, this is them. There's something bad in this house. I don't like it. We got our eyes on you. <laughs> we do this till it gets done. All right, tell us about them. Yeah, I think this is uh, gearing up to be like an, an American horror story type thing where each season's like a contained story. Uh, but it is, sorry, Shane, it is horror. Uh, <laughs> and yes, uh, this one's uh, set in the 1950s and follows a black family who moved from North Carolina to an all white Los Angeles neighborhood. Uh, during a period known as the Great Migration. And uh, soon their home starts to be uh, at war with not just uh, societal standards at the time, but also something that may be living within their house. And uh, I, I mean, I just found out about this show about three, four weeks ago, and the trailer mesmerized me. Honestly, there's a little bit towards the end of the first trailer, the, probably the last five seconds, that I can't stop thinking about it is seriously creepy and it does as you know shane take a lot to creep me out it does take a lot to creep you out which you should seek help with that by the way um <laughs> this that's is what this okay. is this is what this is i get to talk this about is what it is yeah and yeah. <laughs> this is yeah this is your couch yeah <laughs> we can charge my you therapy. 180 bucks the, the show that i watched narco <laughs> hitman was dreadful it was the worst <laughs> I should have known better in the first 15 seconds of watching the acting skills in it. And the story <laughs> writing was mediocre at best, just kind of a rewrite of many other storylines. Do not watch Narco Hitman. Did you watch it? Did you try No, it? I didn't. I didn't. You did the penance for me. And I'm just happy that you stuck it out to the end so you can give me a, like a well-rounded, it sucked. Uh, sucked all the, consistently sucked all the way through. There we go. How's well, that? at least it was consistent. And predictable, too. Steve Stebbing, thank you for being here, brother. Great to see your face. You have a great weekend. Thank you. This is The Shift Podcast. Are you okay with not cutting your fingernails? No. It's very emphatic yeah. for me. It's a big thing for me. I can't. Is I don't it? know what it is. It's, it's really weird. What is it? What I don't know. I can't let it? them grow. 
at all. I don't mind other people. Other people can do whatever they want. But for me, whatever reason, any little bit of white on my fingernails, like (laughs) weird anxiety. (laughs) And I just got to get rid of it. Yeah. I can't. When I feel it, it drives me crazy. Like I like when they feel long, like I can't. Yeah. (sighs) No, back back when I was playing um, high school basketball, you know, when you're you're a teenager, uh, you tend to uh, let your grooming and your um, personal hygiene get out of control. So there's one time um, I fouled someone, and there's literally a mark on their hand from my fingernails. And he yelled at me, "Dude, you gotta cut your nails." And from that day on, Jason Manalis never lets his fingernails grow long. Wow! Unless I get Sunshine Sparkle Pants themed nails, yeah. and I'll try anything once. Well, that's fair enough. Um, I I can't let this go. I'm so sorry. You know I love you, right? Like you are a dynamite human. But I just like everything inside me is just like right now. I have to ask this. So you played high school basketball and you yeah. love basketball. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I haven't played Do it for a year because of the pandemic. But Will you share with uh, the audience how tall you are? I'm five foot three on a good day. <laughs> on a good day. I'm sorry I had to do it. I'm usually five two. But on a good day when I get like good sleep and yeah. stretch. I measure myself. I'm like just there, five three. <laughs> when I stretch. <laughs> no, see, I played basketball in my youth, and I'm six foot two, and I am terrible at it. I am awful <laughs> at basketball. You got nimble and speedy here, and tall and clumsy, maybe. Yeah. Hey, people always think that like height correlates with basketball. Hey, why don't you just play basketball? Like, it's not an, it's not an easy sport to play. It's not not something that you can just pick up just because you're tall it's like true. with football if you're big you're big like you can do something on the on like well, on, the, on the court but if you're just just because you're tall does not mean once yeah, again so, but, i don't know six foot two i was a big guy in high school i was also terrible <laughs> at football <laughs> so i don't know <laughs> um but it is interesting though because you do see some of those pro players that are like six foot seven seven feet and they've clearly been groomed to be good basketball players but when you're five foot two and then there's seven feet above you with a wingspan yeah. of seven feet and they're just basically they hop to dunk and they don't even jump anymore. I mean, there there are a couple of things that make this very difficult for you if you're hanging on to the chance at making the pros, Jason. Just saying. Oh, man. I, I gave a dream um, a long time ago. I had hoop dreams oh, before, just like every right. young Filipino kid in, uh, growing up in Vancouver, but not anymore. Yeah. 5-3 on a good day. My goodness. Anyway, that's on not what we were day. talking about. But I couldn't that but sorry, that was fun. Okay, um fingernails, they seem like a lot of work. That's the way that's the way it gets me. Well, there's a woman from Texas who had the world's longest nails grown by a woman, uh, can finally do simple tasks without the fear of cutting them. Ayanna Williams, a woman from Houston, broke the Guinness World Record for the longest fingernails in two thousand seventeen. They measured take a guess. Take a while, guys. You had to pick a number. How long is the longest fingernails? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, I'd I'm say, like, say six like, inches. Yeah, that's what I would say. Like six that's inches. what I was thinking. Like, it, doesn't it cap somewhere? Like, I feel like that's like... Like a terminal growth there thing? there be like serious health, con- health conditions if you go past like a It'd certain length? 
don't they start well, like so, curling around and around? that's what you'd think like how first of all how would you measure that um it's like freddy krueger style like that kind of thing anyway okay so she set the record when her fingernails were the longest in 2017 19 feet long wow 19 wow feet. is that that's like four that jason manalysis that's right <laughs> her nails is times me Wait, let me let me just do the math here real quick. That's me. Yeah, that's four, almost four of me. That's insane. Well, she actually got one at last measurement before she cut them was almost five of you, at twenty four feet seven inches. So, five Jasons lined up on the floor. That's how long her fingernails are. Like, I would be so afraid to poke my eye out. Like, how do you, how do you scratch? Weird. All right, so here's a story on Ayana from Inside Edition from three years ago. Behold, the longest female fingernails in the world. They belong to Ayanna Williams of Houston, Texas, and they've landed her in the 2018 Guinness Book of World Records. Ayanna's nails are an unbelievable combined length of 18 feet, 10.9 inches. I started growing my nails probably about 23, maybe 24 years now. I just figured that out the other day. So I really don't know why. One day this guy encouraged me because I had let them grow maybe three inches and he encouraged me to grow them longer and the next thing I know they were here. Each one measures around two feet, but her left hand nails hang just a little longer than her right. Ayana is a nail technician by trade, but at home she's more of an artist. It takes her nearly one whole week and two bottles of nail polish to keep them fierce. She avoids washing dishes and doing other household chores to prevent breakage. And at night, her nails get their own pillow. Now that she's in the record books, she has no plans to clip them. Okay, thank goodness it's a combined length. But still, wouldn't two that, to like, three feet. Weigh down your hands? Like, wouldn't that just... What's the weight of a fingernail when it gets that long? Like, wouldn't that... I would, that's just, everything about it is kind of gross. You know what it makes me think of, though? When I think of them, I don't think of them as nice fingernails, like when, when someone cares for their nails nicely, they're well-groomed and shiny and, and stuff like that. It, it, they make me think like gross dad toe fingernails. That I can't think of them like nice fingernails. They're like dad feet fingernails. I don't know why. Oh, just give me a shiver. <laughs> okay, so that's it's a, a combined length. No, it's, it's, I was just going to say, it's, it's, it's a life hack for um, kids who don't want to do chores. If you don't want to do chores, just grow out your fingernails. That's your excuse for everything now. Wow. <laughs> this is the kind of good at dad advice there, big fella. Um, we, uh, we, uh, it is combined length, 24 feet, 7 inches over the course of, I'm assuming, 10 fingers. Still, that gives you an average length of 2 feet, 2 and a half almost feet per hand on average that's crazy okay um are you okay are you okay with winning and then not winning uh, it seems like a bad deal no no like <laughs> why would you want to win and then have it taken away that no i would not well, be okay with that very similar to oscars and steve harvey we talked about this earlier in the week, but it was so good, I wanted to bring it back one more time, just in case you missed it. 
Uh, during ET Canada Live, Graham O'Neill, Morgan Hoffman, and guest host uh, Sajay Elder discussed the 2021 Miss Sri Lanka pageant where Pushpika da Silva was temporarily stripped of her crown, if you didn't hear the story. They announced the winner. She had the crown, and then the last year's champ came up on stage and said, nay, nay, my friends, I'm taking it away from you, a la Kanye. Um, so here's, here's, the, here's the, the commentary uh, of, uh, of the clip and how the clip went. A very strange situation went down at the Mrs. Sri Lanka pageant on Monday. So Pushpika da Silva was crowned this year's winner. Uh, but then last year's winner, Caroline Jury, decided to step in. Yeah, okay. I'm going to try to explain this as you watch this. Okay, so Carolyn comes along and starts to remove the crown right off Pushpika's head because Caroline claims Pushpika is divorced and that disqualifies or makes someone ineligible to win the pageant. So yeah, it was a bit of a struggle <laughs> to get it off of Pushpika's head and because it's actually pinned in there. So she's got to get like the pins out. They're trying to get like out of her hair and everything. So Push, Pushpika actually claims that she was injured through all this. She suffered head injuries trying to get it off. Yeah, so they get it off her head. They put it on the first uh, runner-up's head. And now we have a new Mrs. Sri Lanka 2021. But that's not the end of this, okay? God, I'm losing track of how complicated this is. First, let's show you what Caroline said in her own words as to why she was stepping in and stripping Pushpika of the crown. I have a small request. As for the Mrs. World Inc., there's a rule that you all have to be married and not divorced. So I'm taking my first step saying that I heard that a few days ago. It was funny then. It's still funny now. Um, the best part is, is how it's like an Oscar, how they just raise the volume on the music to try to oh wash her out. I, I couldn't even imagine being in that moment. Just, oh, you won. But no, it's like the Steve Harvey when Steve Harvey announced the wrong winner. But at least mm -hmm. with that one, like they, she didn't actually win. Like this one, she won. But due to a technicality, she lost. And just and if wow. you ever watch, if you get a chance to watch that video, it's on Global News. Um, just how uncomfortable the, the girl is when she's getting the crown taken off of her. Oh my goodness, it's, it's comedy. Well, and I would also invite you to look at one other piece too. And if you look at the first runner-up, who's watching this all unfold, and they go put the crown on her head. She's so excited, kind of confused, but oh my God, I've waited my whole life for this. And so she doesn't know what to do. So she just kind of, kind of takes it short of, I'm going to let you finish. Ala Kanye. All right. Check out the video. It's on the Global News website too. Are you okay? Are you okay with concerts coming back? Oh, yeah, to watch, like, the sweet footage on YouTube, but I ain't going to one anytime soon. Yeah, would you stay away? Yeah, right now, yeah, I would stay away from a concert uh, for sure. Um, I think I'm going to have a bit of weird PTSD from this where, like, big crowds are going to going to be nervous in yeah. them for a little while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even even when things do go back to normal, it's going to be so weird when you go back to your first concert. My um, My brother bought a ticket to the weekend concert that's, supposed to be happening next year but who knows 
And I told him like, yo, that's going to be weird just to see that many people that close together. It's, oh man, not good. Not good. I wouldn't go to one. Well, we have tickets from last year's Harry Styles show in Vancouver that had been pushed forward to this year Harry Styles show in Vancouver. But that's starting to tiptoe closer, right? Like that that's, either Harry's gonna, that's gonna the one do that, like eight shows. Yeah. That's the one that makes me yeah. think because I, I go by that um BC place on the Sky Train every day mm-hmm. and it says Harry Styles, August twenty first. And I look at that mm-hmm. and I'm like, No, I don't think so, mm-hmm. Harry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so but I don't know. All right, well, okay. Slowly getting back to normal with concerts slated to return this summer. Saskatoon has some slated for the fall, too. But in the next six months, amid the novel coronavirus pandemic, can shows really go back to how they were this soon? I mean, keeping in mind that our brothers and sisters in Ontario are locked down for four weeks. Global Saskatoon's Gabriella Panza Beltrandi has more. October, country music star Eric Church is set to make a stop in Saskatoon on his North American tour. This will be the first big show at SaskTel Centre since the pandemic hit. Everybody should be vaccinated by the end of June. So the promoter is very optimistic that this is a good time to introduce a concert. In six months, it's unclear what things will look like. Scott Ford says SaskTel Centre will be following guidelines from Health Canada and the province. That could include cleaning venues more or requiring masks, but it's still up in the air. If everybody's vaccinated, it'd be just like you're going to any show. Um, you know, it, 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 eventually things will get back to SaskTel Centre isn't the only concert host tentatively planning for October shows. The Coors Event Centre in Saskatoon has four concerts slated for late October or early November. Tourism Saskatoon says operators are itching to restart shows in the coming months, but they're not just jumping back in. Lots of the businesses, while we work towards having more events into the summer, into the fall, people are, are, are really just looking to be as safe as possible and also be able to provide their experience at the highest level possible. Kelly Tinkler is a fan of Eric Church. He says it's about time concerts start back up. Let's just chill and, you know, like, let's get back to reality and and keep, you know, things, let's do things we did before. Others aren't as optimistic about six months from now. If they can do it safely, um, I'm all for it. But doing it safely right now is kind of a tricky thing. So better to be safe than sorry. Be better to wait for the vaccines to roll out a little more. Tourism Saskatoon says if everyone, concert goers and organizers are cautious, things will get back to normal. SaskTel Centre says if there were a surge in cases, the concert would likely be rescheduled like the ones it tried to have last year. Gabriella Panzabaltrandi, Global News. It is kind of encouraging to see businesses trying to put things together, though, right? So that's good. Because if they don't try to put it together with a caveat of we'll postpone, then there's nothing going to be happening. So it's good. It's a good sign. Not quite sure I'm going to be uh, heading to the mosh pit anytime soon and front row seats uh, like they used to be at the Headstones shows where you used to get spit on all the time. I'm not quite sure those ones are going to be so in demand anymore. No thanks. Uh, first bowl will be fine for me. Are you, are you okay? Are you okay with virtual reality? And then, I mean, I I have a hard enough time with reality, so I don't <laughs> virtual reality. I don't need another plane 
of reality. Another job. No. Another job of things to do. Another yeah. plane. That's, All right, yeah, Jason. I've I've never actually yeah I've never actually tried virtual reality, um, but I I guess I mean it, it looks like it's a lot of fun, and I think that's where video games are sort of leaning towards. Um, so I do want to try it. I do want. I'm just scared of hitting something. Like if I'm like moving around, I'm pretty clumsy. Like I'll fall. Mm. So that, right. that's my only thing with it. All right, I thought you were an athlete, though. You said you're an athlete. Um, that was um after I gained the freshman fifteen, and then the freshman thirty, oh. and then the freshman twenty, <laughs> and now I'm uh trying to trying to get it back. All right, fair enough. So you want to try virtual reality? Give it a go, Jason. Well, let this clip serve as a grim reminder that going into a virtual world can sometimes be too real. Don't push me. What happened? <laughs> um, so let me just explain this clip. So basically, it's this girl who's playing virtual reality. It's her sister. Uh, this is posted on Twitter. And then the she's super paranoid. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. And then she just straight up falls on her face. Whoa. Can That's you play it one more time for us, yeah. Brennan? Don't push me. Love the ooh. <laughs> That's a dad right there. That's a dad. <laughs> it's the Shift Podcast. Social media, do you want to be on it anymore? There's parts of it I really love. You know what I love? I love photos of wintry mountains and cabins. I love photos of beaches and palm trees. I love photos of Porsche 911s. And Velocers. <laughs> I don't love pictures of Velocers like Jason does. Um, there are so many great things about it. And then I get sucked in. And um, I've, I have a new perspective thanks to a woman named Danae Mercer. Danae joins us now for more conversation. And thank you to the uh, wonderful invention of time zones. Makes it all possible. Hi, Danae. Hi. Thank you so much for having me back. Danae is in Dubai, and through the course of this uh, this day, it's lunchtime in Dubai as we have this conversation. And Danae, one of the things that changed since our last discussion is I followed a couple of uh, couples' accounts, uh, you know, just photos of couples in beautiful places. And um, I realized that after our last chat that every single photo on that account uh, was particularly similar to your examples of posing differently, uh, making sure that the woman's body was perfect. She was always uh, posed in a way on top of a man, um, always in like a thong bikini, looking perfect all the time with this perfectly shot photograph. And I realized very quickly that I had not before that this is not what romance looks like. So you've given me the space to see that. Have you seen even those examples of misrepresentation, not only of women, but of couples in, in your travels too? Oh my gosh, absolutely. I was, I was actually just laughing when you were describing it because I think when you look at couples photography on social media, it's, it's very particular, right? Like it's, the most beautiful couples in the most beautiful places, taking the most gorgeous destination shots. And the thing is, is I 
I've got a few good friends that are travel couple influencers. And I can just say hands down, like those pictures are the most curated, posed, momentary snapshots that sometimes take a good hour to two hours to set up. And then you get this like candid, casual moment, but it, it, it's not that at all. Uh, it's definitely not that at all. You're, um, I mean, you are, I mean, you are an influencer. You do that. I mean, you will share your, you know, products that you like online and, and do all those things. And, and I've said it before for those who don't have, uh, Danae Mercer, it's D-A-N-A-E, um, Mercer, uh, the account in front of them. I mean, you're a beautiful woman, Danae. You could fake this. You could BS your way through it. You could just go out and do the poses like everybody else and make a bunch of money. Um, just to sort of recap for the people that don't know you, what, what point inspired you to reveal behind the social media Wizard of Oz curtain uh, what's really going on? Because you could have faked it, but you, you don't. Well, first, thank you so much for saying that. That's a, a very kind way to start my day. So thank you. <laughs> I, I think I talk about the things I talk about, like angles, self-love, confidence, and even just some of the things that women go through, you know, being a woman, dealing with uh, questions about having children or relationships or all that kind of grittier stuff that I don't think we see on social media as much in a, a more raw way. I talk about all that for a couple of reasons. One is I worked in, in publishing for over 10 years and I worked on some, some massive magazines. And through that, you you learn a lot about how things are curated, how bodies are posed, how lighting is used, how even in pictures that say like, cause there was a real push for a while with magazines of saying, here's a, a no Photoshop fil- uh, photo. Mm-hmm. But even in those photos, they've got professional lighting and certain lenses and all these things that change how a body shows up on screen. So on one hand, I, I have that firsthand experience And on the other hand, I went through my own eating disorder journey back when I was 19 and really had to find my my confidence in myself, like really had to struggle with my body image for, for a long time. So these things together, I think, took me to a place of looking at what I was doing with my social media and honestly just wanting to be a bit more myself, which has always been less curated and, a, and a, a whole lot quirkier than what you see on the internet. And and also potentially help other girls and women that, that are struggling with some of the stuff that I've either struggled with or am struggling with. Well, you embrace your nerdiness. I like that part. I think we all can embrace <laughs> our you. nerdiness a little bit a little bit more. Now, in your recent, uh, I would call it, is it an experiment to safe word, some of the things you've been doing on TikTok? Uh, yeah, do you mean... The stuff that I put up that just gets taken down again. Taken again. down. Yeah. So, so, uh, what Danae's doing, and I'll let her explain it better than I do, is sort of experimenting by pushing the envelope, if you will, on TikTok. And it's quite absurd the reasons they give why things get pulled down. But you've also created contrast between your body type and other women's body types too. So can you help us understand what you've been up to? Because this is the part to me in the, um, if it's the algorithms or just fake rule set, I'm not sure which it lands, but I'll get that opinion too. But first, what have you been up to in this little experiment on TikTok? 
Sure. Well, it is it's something I'm pretty passionate about because TikTok, especially for some of the adult listeners on here, like I think we have this assumption that TikTok is a platform where people dance and it's kind of small and it's kind of wholesome. And the truth is, is it I think it is now the fastest growing platform. It has an overwhelming amount of teenagers on it and it is far beyond dancing. Like it is so much beyond dancing and it's I, I see it being the the biggest platform in the next few years, but also potentially one of the most dangerous because of the way it is and isn't regulated. So I've been having a real issue with a lot of my content is about self-love. And the easiest way on a visual platform to show that is to show, you know, cellulite or stretch marks or the way that skin rolls when you sit or how things look differently when you're posed versus relaxing, all of that. And I remember, gosh, it was almost a year ago now when I first like dipped my toe into TikTok and I'd put up a few videos and I I was wearing a bikini and I had shown my cellulite and right away they got taken down. And in my head, I was like, oh, okay, well, that's, that's because it's directed at teenagers. They're just trying to limit nudity. They want, you know, to keep this a really wholesome, safe space. And then... And then the third time it happened, and it was it was a video where I wasn't even showing, quote unquote, that much skin. And I got a bit curious and I like searched the hashtag, the bikini hashtag. And right away, it was very, very clear to me. They had no concerns about the amount of, of skin showing. If you look at that hashtag, it is there's a whole lot of bodies and sometimes alcohol is being poured on them. Sometimes they're like gyrating on the sand like sometimes there's one where a girl is is literally she has um yeah she is she is changing in and out of bikinis and just using her hands to cover up her her bosom her chest area and the thing is that the the main difference between those bikini bodies and mine is that mine has cellulite and mine has stretch marks and mine has wobbles in certain places and those don't. And from there, I started to, to do exactly what you're saying. I, I started to do a bit of an experiment. Like I did, there was one video with a, a model in a bikini, you know, and she was like strutting up and down and being all sassy. And I was like, okay, well, I've got a bikini that looks just like that. And I can walk exactly like she's walking. Like, let's see what happens. And my video was taken down right away. It was taken down. And with TikTok, you can appeal it. And often the reasons cited for my videos being taken down were um, the sexual activity and adult nudity. <laughs> and it, it just it just escalated to the point where I spoke out about it on my on my Instagram. And in a way, I'm I'm so grateful I have a larger platform because as a result of me speaking out about that, TikTok got in touch and we're now talking. And again and again and again, TikTok are saying like, oh no, we, we don't censor quote unquote un- unattractive bodies. Even though they have a, a history of doing that, there was a leaked document at one point where their official guidelines said to censor anything unattractive. But according to TikTok, they're like, no, we've, we've changed that. We don't, we don't censor that. And yet, and yet I keep getting censored. Well, isn't it, um, isn't it curious? Cause you're not alone. There have been other yeah. posts in, in sharing this where you see 
uh, voluptuous, curvy women um, in what I would suggest is a uh, well-fitted swimsuit, bikini of some nature. Like, we're not talking about someone who is wearing strings here. This is just a... Uh, a handsome bikini that you would see on a normal person on the beach that's well fitted and 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 looks like it's the right bathing suit for that body, and those people are also seeing this as well. So, I mean, to your point about cellulite and jiggly bits, um, that's a that's you're not alone in that because some of the the curvier women are going through this too. Have you met anybody that's that's going uh, through that similar story? Absolutely, absolutely. So. Since I've started speaking about this, like I've received so many emails, so many DMs from different creators, like self-love creators, um, whether they are, you know, body positive activists who are curvier, who exist in a larger body, or there's one who has a, it's ostomate, she has a a, a bag because part of her intestine is missing and the bag exists on the outside of her body. You right. know, so there's someone like that. There's um, a, a couple of different activists who repeatedly have had their content taken down to the extent that a lot of these self-love activists have said to me, you know, we've, we've given up on the platform. Like we can't, we can't deal with this because it's, it's very difficult. Say, you know, say this, this young woman, I think she's like 22, 23. She's had to go through surgery for her Crohn's disease. She has an, uh, a colonoscopy bag on the, I'm sorry if I'm, yep. I'm using the incorrect you know, term, Yeah, that's okay. It's called colostomy bag. Yep. Colostomy. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, on the outside of, of her body. And, you know, she just creates content with her, her body in it. It's, it's not her doing anything. It is just her existing and it gets censored. Like, what a horrible experience, especially if you're younger or a bit more fragile, to have a whole platform tell you, we don't want you here. Food, I mean, you have your own background, as you've shared, uh, with uh, diet stuff, um, food stuff. We hear mental health um, mental health posts also getting taken down. I mean, the way that I describe it, and maybe it's too broad, I'm happy to be corrected, but until I'm corrected by anybody, I'm going to go with it, is that unless, if you're sad, you don't stay on TikTok. It's kind of the, it's kind of the way it goes. There are other things. There have been videos about Hong Kong. There have been videos about Uyghurs. There have been all kinds of accusations of things being taken down. What have you seen from the impacts of uh, the impact on some of the young people that are trying to use TikTok to express themselves? Well, I think it's a great question. I think it's it's very dangerous, right? Because you have this platform that, again, I must stress this, like it is going to be the biggest in the next two years. Like it already is with teens. Like it is it is where they go. So you have this platform that is incredibly powerful that has a known history of censoring Anything it deemed unattractive, whether that was older bodies, poor situations, you know, poor backgrounds, um, disabilities, things like cellulite, it, it like it, it is acknowledged that, and it is said it's transitioning away from that. But it, you know, there is still stuff that's happening. So you have that platform where, on one hand, certain voices, very very important, diverse voices, are being muted, and on the other hand you have this like wealth of 
for lack of a better word, of like, quote unquote, perfection of, you know, teenage girls dancing in, in swimsuits or like models in tiny bikinis doing their thing. And you have that and you have that everywhere because those videos are performing very well. And so it's, it creates this like very dangerous environment where, especially for teenagers, like if all you're seeing, if all you're seeing is supposedly the girl next door and the girl next door only looks perfect. And then you look at a mirror and you see yourself and you think, but you know, but I, I have cellulite or my hips are straight differently. How dangerous is that? And that's, that's why I think TikTok has a, a real responsibility, you know, a, a massive responsibility to not just say, oh, we're figuring it out, but they have to figure this out now because they are so big and so powerful. It's I've described it kind of like a, a coffee drip, like a slow drip or maybe a slow erosion of confidence. And I've seen it myself. I mean, there have been different fitness things that I've followed. And, you know, as I get older, my joints get more sore. I'm not able to do the same kinds of fitness things yet. I seem to have this expectation that I can have the same body I had when I was 35 and be able to live that life when in reality, it's it's just not the same. And I would also assert that uh, TikTok is not taking down dad bod pictures either right like they're the dad bod people are consuming it um they're not they're not treating men the same way that they're treating women mm -hmm. at all which is incredibly concerning and frankly a free pass uh for men to not take care of themselves and be active and to support a dad bod so the hypocrisy is just absolutely undeniable with all of it but to that point there's a couple things that you said here that um you know for in the spirit of, of good debate mm -hmm. is this a TikTok problem you speak to wholeheartedness and you know the authentic part of of what you try to share for for young women to see in your instagram and for those who don't know you have more than two million followers on instagram um but you did say this phrase you said you know, those videos of young girls dancing in bikinis performing really well, right? Um, the mirror, is this an algorithm problem, a TikTok problem, or is it just uh, unfortunate, true, grounded wake-up call as a mirror of our society and what we're consuming? Is it a human problem or a TikTok problem? <laughs> it's it's a great question, and it's it's something that, I sometimes get asked like, okay, do platforms have a responsibility? So in this case, does TikTok have a responsibility to, to really not allow up videos of young girls dancing in bikinis? And you could say, well, they absolutely have that responsibility to, to you know, curate and monitor and, and keep it safe. But from a, a brutal business perspective, like for TikTok, they're probably thinking, okay, but this, this keeps viewers on the platform longer. This keeps them in more engaged longer. This is better for our stats. It makes us more money. So I, I, think, I think it's a dual thing, right? Like I think humans, as humans, we are always going to be drawn to what is seen as beautiful, even if that changes real time. Like right now, we have a, a trend towards eye bags. Eye bags are in and freckles are in. So even if the standard of beauty is constantly shifting. Like as humans, we are just drawn to what is socially deemed as, as beautiful. But on, on the flip side, I, I would argue that there is a level of responsibility in, in these platforms to 
even if they don't take down certain things, right? Like even if they don't take down what is going to get them the most views, they do have a responsibility to allow maybe videos that might not in theory get them as many views to allow those voices to exist on their platform so that if someone needs that content, if someone's looking for that content, they can find it. Discrimination is a big word. And, uh, and I would say that I see it similar to how you do. Uh, you said seen is beautiful. And I would like to translate this conversation in the spirit of getting clarity on it outside, because this is what I love to do, outside of social media. And we had this conversation a little earlier on the shift about responsibilities about, uh, you know, if it's our building, if we take it into a real tactile uh, place, and if you come to Danae and Shane's nightclub, because Danae and Shane have opened up a nightclub, <laughs> and it's the best, it's most fun ever, and it's inside our nightclub that people come in and they start doing nasty things, we are responsible for that because it's our place of business, right? And just because a social platform is not a tangible place of business, it's still a place of business. And if someone comes to the outside of our nightclub and spray paints hate messages on the outside of the nightclub, doesn't matter what city we're in, if we're in Dubai or Calgary, Toronto or Vancouver, it's our responsibility to clean up the outside of our building and make sure that it's it's uh, participates based on our local bylaws. So that's Danae and Shane's nightclub that has to be welcoming to everybody. We can't discriminate who comes in through the doors. And sure, we can entertain people with pretty people dancing on poles or whatever it is that our nightclub wants to do uh, if it brings people in. But the reality is, is that we can't discriminate the rest of it and we have to be responsible for the building that is our business. And I look at the social platforms the same way as they're not taking responsibility it is full-out discrimination. And frankly, what happens if maybe you like a little booty? <laughs> well, I've never thought of myself owning a nightclub, but I really I really love that way of putting it because I think it, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like There is this spray painting situation as well, and that's, that's some of the co- like really toxic content that is allowed to stay up on TikTok. Like I came across a video three days ago with the, he must've been 15 years old, like a 15 year old boy basically saying because of what a young woman chose to do with her body, she was asking for it. And why would she do that to her body if she wasn't asking for it? And that video was allowed to stay up. And there was a whole host of videos of young, young men saying, you know, anyone above the weight of 125 pounds is a cow and you don't want a cow in the farm or horrible, horrible things like that. And that content, that like spray painting is, is up. It is up. And there is, oh God, I could keep going. Like there's one with a, I don't know, I think he's probably like 20, 21 year old man with always these different girls, young, young girls doing not, not, not actually having intercourse, but, but being very suggestive. And it's mm-hmm. set to the background track of these girls saying again and again, oh, I'm just 16. And it's, that's a lot, that account had over 2 million followers on TikTok. And that is his whole shtick is like an older man, these young girls, this idea of suggestion. And they're like, oh, but I'm really young. And so all this is happening on this platform. And 
I completely agree with you. There's a, a, a massive responsibility there to, to, to not let that spray paint. That's, it's so dangerous. Danae Mercer, if you check out uh, her Instagram, is probably the best way to connect for everything. Uh, the free journal, Love Yourself, is fantastic. I do invite everybody to go get that one. You can link to it off of Danae's Instagram. The Talking Out Loud podcast is available on your favorite podcast platforms if you want to uh, see what she's up to. And um, Plus, Danae has the weirdest cat that you've ever seen. <laughs> It's worth the follow just for the damn cat um, uh, as well. Danae, uh, thank you so much for sharing time and uh, and being here with us again. I, I look forward to chatting more about this. I think the more that we as adults can make sure we are aware of what the kids are up to and take a stand against it is important, and I appreciate the stand that you take. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is The Shift Podcast. One topic that we hear about the internet is the bubble of proximity, this algorithm, dun, 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 the secret algorithm that's burning us all up. Now, we've heard these stories, like from Danae Mercer, talking about algorithms impacting what we see. There have been many, many assertions out there of race-based algorithms. Uh, indigenous folks have posted many times about their posts getting squished down. So is it really a thing? Uh, Jesse Miller, social media awesomeness guy, is here with us on the shift. How you doing, Jesse? I'm pretty good. I'm going to put that on my business card next time I get them printed. Social media awesomeness. Yeah. Why not, hey? I like it. Um, that's, it's your world. You, uh, this is what you teach to people. Um, and we have this scenario here where algorithms are starting to come up in conversation again. Um, in this particular conversation, it was about... Uh, some body shaming and those kinds of things. Help us understand first algorithms and why they get such a bad rap <laughs> when we talk about things we don't uh, like happening on the internet. So algorithms themselves shouldn't get a bad rap, how their program should. Now, here's the thing. Social media algorithms themselves involve machine learning and data science. The data science is contributed by programmers who build the algorithm, but the machine learning at some point then starts to take the wheel because if if it didn't, it would require this mass amount of individuals who are actively looking at how to connect the information that exists on any social media platform. Now, what's interesting is algorithms themselves, they, they parse data and they rank posts based on criteria that quite honestly, the average user of the internet will probably never truly understand because of not only the severe gaps in media literacy that exist within the, the user experience, but just the idea that you know everything on the internet is technically mathematics. It's mathematics that are put together to help connect concepts and ideas, right? We add language, we add content, but the ability for it all to find each other is the mathematics that are behind algorithms. So within that, you know, when you go on social media itself, information is presented, it's absorbed, it's shared. Uh, but the reality of it is, is that once you get into your own silo where the algorithm learns about how you use the apps and how you communicate to people, that's where we unfortunately get some of these biases that start kicking up where people all of a sudden think that there's a ghost in the machine or that there is some kind of nefarious background going on. And that's that's sometimes true. Other times, it's just the way that you, the user themselves is using the platform. It seems difficult to understand when we don't get to know the 11 herbs and spices of the way that they're appealing to us. And the reality is, is that these organizations are coming to us based on our behavior and saying, hey, you will like this, whatever brings you back. 
good example is I got sucked into the Instagram um, reels on construction stuff. I, I guess I apparently get sucked in watching big machines do cool things. And sure enough, my feed started to fill up with all of these construction videos and trucks and all of this, this stuff. So is it possible in this, and I'm not dismissing that there is nefarious things going on here around body shaming and everything else, because it clearly has become um, profitable to have pretty girls, skinny girls in bikinis uh, on your on on your platforms. But is it possible that this is as much as I'm not going to say more of as much as a mirror of our behavior as opposed to an algorithm that's knocking this all down? It, it can be. I mean, that's the thing is that there's so many uh, un, unknown tangibles here. Like when we type a query into a search engine, to your point of the construction stuff, like I've seen, like there's an Instagram account called On the Tools from the UK and then all these guys on construction sites. And it's funny. But if I spend more than an hour looking at the videos, then all of a sudden my all my advertisements become tool-based. All, all, my, all my suggestions become something similar. So the results are determined in rank based on what we deem to be useful and relevant. So when we have content that we are favoring, yes, you might see that. And you might have an algorithm working in the background that says, well, this person is only looking for this, which is what we should start suggesting. And then the creators of that content might actually see some of their content actually not necessarily being presented to the audience equally based on an algorithm that potentially exists between between the seams, essentially. And so there is the potential for it. The question is whether or not a social media platform is choosing to, to omit that content to keep you engaged. Now, one of the things that people have to recognize here is that curated content is there to provide convenience to interest. Like that is the biggest piece of it. So within all of us, there's this own little bubble of how we want social media to be personalized for our own consumption. And this has become more evident during the COVID bubble, right? More people at home, which is really interesting is that now because of our time management, we're actually seeing more people getting things suggested on their Instagram because of shared networks, right? You share a network with your kids, with your family, with your spouse. And now you're sometimes seeing things that that are also being suggested to them. So over time, you know, these algorithms, there is always these concerns about whether or not they are being fair. And, and to the point of how we identify things in your introduction, you mentioned that, you know, indigenous voices have seen content pushed down, you know, years ago, Facebook would require quote unquote, appropriate last names for users. They didn't factor in the descriptive uh, uh, heritage of indigenous names. And so then they would see accounts getting flagged because they were deemed to be fake. Now in that, the algorithm is programmed one way. Once people raise awareness about the issue, that's where change can come in because the person who programmed it can go, oh, wait, I have an ingrained bias. I never even considered that. So now maybe I should consider rewriting the mathematical code to make this more accepting, more open, or at the end of the day, pushing people out of their silo. We don't seem to know as much about TikTok, maybe because it's newer versus Instagram and Facebook, but there have been assertions that if you are a skinny girl in a bikini, your video on TikTok will be promoted. And if you're a chubby girl in a bikini, it will not. I, I don't think TikTok's alone in that. I think that any any kind of marketing would, would go that way towards how pop culture would, would absorb a product, right? When we think about, uh, you know, magazines and it's like the sexiest man of the year, yada, yada, yada. All those things are designed to get consumers to pay attention. And unfortunately, in the way that we set up aspects of our popular culture, it doesn't, it doesn't lean more towards your second example than it does the primary. But that said, like TikTok itself isn't new. They're, they're, they're as equally established in their market. 
one of the things that TikTok has basically come forward and saying, saying we don't program it to do this. You know, the users themselves are the ones who are searching things. We just present what's there. What's interesting to me is that we're actually seeing more and more people who are being featured on TikTok who don't have large audiences, who have a very small engagement piece. And I think there's a, a purpose there. They're trying to raise up audiences, especially in North America, where TikTok has been maligned so drastically, um, especially by the previous you know, president of the United States, where it was basically deemed to be the, the worst thing ever for children. Um, in that, like the other day, I watched a TikTok video out of Brampton, Ontario, a couple of kids making uh, rap videos in their backyard. The reason it was just suggested to me based on on me looking up Canadian content. And so in that is TikTok Canada actively trying to highlight Canadian content versus Canadian beautiful or Canadian exciting content. There's so many subjective pieces that go into that. But realistically, uh, the more people talk about it, the more the companies themselves can make sure that we are not seeing content just based on one person's value of beauty. When magazines were photoshopping images, uh, there was an office to phone. You could call the publishing house, you could call the magazine, you could call the office, and you could say, hey, I take exception to this. In today's world, you cannot get through. For example, I have an Instagram account for a business project that I have been trying to reset the password for forever. And somehow, Instagram is blacklisted uh, inside this email server. I can't change that because that's where the email account is. I have not a phone number or a help section that I can get assistance to get into that account. When it comes to TikTok and all of these different things, there is no helpline. There is no place to say, hey, I think you guys are being dirtballs here with this. Help me understand. Is it my fault? Is it your fault? There's nothing there. Is that ever going to change? It, it, it probably won't unless the economy of it changes. Now, here's the thing. You are not a customer. As much as you might be a business client, right? The customer would be paying money. The customer would have the ability to pick up the phone and call a call center and walk through those steps. Now, if let's just take an example, Air Canada. If I have a gripe with Air Canada, I pick up the phone, I call and put on hold for an hour, finally get somebody and somebody <laughs> at, at a call center is dealing with my, with my, my gripe, right? Uh, right. But the thing is, is that I'm still protected by a number of consumer protections that allow me that flexibility, even though I have to put the effort in. So in that, users of social media have to recognize as much as you put value into, well, this is my Facebook account. This is my Twitter account. Yes, you signed up, you secured the username. It doesn't mean at the end of the day, you are a customer, you're a user, and there's a re reciprocal relationship in the way that that's set up. So we could see the evolution of more customer-based content in the sense that a really, a really proactive approach from any social media platform would be to offer more support services that way. But uh, I mean, until, until a company does that, we're not going to see any ma major drastic change. And, and to your point of like, you can't pick up a phone, number, a phone and call, that is, that is in itself a, a, an antiquated piece of the dialogue, right? Do we expect them to have a call center with, you know, 30 people fending phone calls all day long about somebody who can't remember their password or can't, uh, you know, deal with, you know, somebody following them that they don't want following them? What does that look like in the grand scheme of customer service? Um, Facebook itself, like they have content supervisors who literally look at the content and make decisions about whether or not it should be on the platform platform and they make less than minimum wage if you look at their hourly wage or hourly commitments over uh, a course of time. So there are evolutions that should occur. They rely too heavily on machine learning. Well, I um, I did have an experience with Royal Bank where I phoned Royal Bank and it said, why are you calling? I said, because the website told me to call and then it read me COVID rules and then hung up. <laughs> so 
Um, these automated bots are are not cutting it at all. Um, and customer service has really gone the way of the dodo, if you will, in that um, it seems to be getting worse all over the place. We lose control so quickly um, of all of this, and yet we don't seem to get the help that we're looking for. And even in this scenario where we could take a stand, if we thought is just a good reminder that we are the product, we are, you know, we are not the audience so much. We build these businesses for them. And and to that point, look, you know, I'm, I'm a lover of social media because I'm a firm believer that it brings the world together. Currently, though, we are seeing this dramatic polarization and, and losing middle ground. What people really need to understand here is that the companies, and, and to your point, we build it for them. They are not invested in their users in any way, shape or form, except for the fact that they rely that people are going to actively use the product because we we have no other alternative, right? So I've always in my work turned around and said, listen, if you had to spend a dollar a day for Instagram, if your kids came up to you and said, I need $365 a year to sign up to TikTok so I can watch, you know, inspiring videos, there are going to be parents out there who say, sure. There's also going to be parents out there who say, get, get your money and sign up and do what you need to do. And there's also going to be parents who turn around and say, what a waste of time. Time equates money. We've heard that adage a number of times, but for these companies, the more time you spend on their platform, the more they can hook you in, the more they can make it feel like it's something that you are connected to, the more money they're going to make. So within that, if you're investing time and you're away from family or away from the people that you spend time with in the face-to-face and the things that are all kind of stressing us out with this COVID reality with lockdowns and social distancing, uh, know that these companies have pulled in fortunes over the past year because we are having a difficult time managing, managing our experience. And so within that, the more you consider how you contribute time as opposed to money to this platform, you're eventually going to turn around and say, this might not be worth the effort I'm putting into it. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.